You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love. This is episode 150 and I'm your host, Miguel. So, hope all you guys are doing good over there in uh, podcast land. I hope uh, everybody's safe and sound and you're able to navigate your way through these uh, hazardous and challenging times that we're facing, you know. I know some people kind of make light of it or they talk about it like it's, you know, cold soup being brought to the table, served to them. You know, that, that it bothers them that much in other people, their lives are really being destroyed. So it's a thing that we all have to have compassion and kind of slow things down a little bit and, and uh, look around to see the loved ones that we have. And even if we don't, people may, we may not even know there's people that need help. Um, yeah. It's funny, I uh, I watch obscure YouTube channels, and one of the channels that I watch is was a guy in L.A., this young guy, Milk74, as he pronounces it, Milk74. Uh, cool dude, you know, he puts out some uh, young guy shit, you know, a lot of testosterone and a lot of snot and balled up fist type shit, but, but the guy... I, I listen to him, you know, because you need to... There's different voices out there that you need to listen to so, but go on YouTube and check out his channel, it's Milk Sevenfold. So, I, I was watching it last night, and he's he usually has, you know, he's uh, going after these uh, different people on YouTube and all of this political shit to get viewers and everything like that. He's doing his thing. Everybody, YouTube is like the new currency. So, he's doing his thing on there. I find him to be entertaining. He, he pops shit. He knows how to pop shit. So... I'm watching it, and, and he has a little, like, two-minute clip on there. What it is, basically, he walks up to a bum. I don't want to call him a bum. He uh, An underprivileged man, a man that's on hard times. An older guy, an older white dude, it looked like. He was really dirty. And Milk went up to him and says, Yo, I told you I'd be back. And he gave him, like, some soup that his woman had made for him. You know, for the, for the, for the homeless man. And the soda and some other stuff. So he walked up and gave it to him. The guy just looked up for a split second. And that one split second of a look that that man gave up to uh, the young man, the Milk Sevenfold, the, the look he, the, the look that the homeless man gave him, spoke a million words. You know, it broke my heart. I, I put a comment on it, if you go check out the YouTube, I put something like, I, I didn't cry, but my lower lip trembled, <laughs> you know. But it was really touching, and I think he came back a little later on and gave him some cheeseburgers and shit, which the man, you know, immediately appreciated. So, it's touching to see the times that we're in and the steps that people do and what they take and when you stop to think for somebody else. So, that being said, I hope all you all doing good. And, yeah, yesterday, early yesterday, which which was Saturday morning, today is June 28th, 2020, so, Sunday. So, yesterday, Saturday, I woke up around 10.30 and I says, you know what, I want to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, New York, hop on the train and go down. Trains running, everything, the city's quote-unquote open. So I proceed to, you know, get prepared, and literally on the way out my door, out the door, I says, you know what, I don't want to see the Metropolitan Museum, I just want to check out my old running grounds, you know, Fort Union Square, uh, Washington Square Park, 23rd Street Park over there by the Flatiron Building, you know, my, that, that kind of like in between Midtown and the Village, like that section right there is really cool, a lot of, a lot of activities and it's just really beautiful architecture i appreciate it's funny you know i grew up in new york but i appreciate it as if i was a tourist i don't know if that makes sense but just the architecture the people the culture the speed of what new york moves at you know they talk about a new york minute 
you know, those of you who knows what that is, that means like a lot of shit could happen in a minute. <laughs> you know, that's New York. And I love it, man. You know, you, you, it keeps your adrenaline running and, and it keeps you alive. You know, it's funny. When I go to the city, and I'm going to get into my uh, uh, walk yesterday in New York. But when I walk into the city, I immediately feel like I've been plugged into a 220 volt outlet and I'm ready. You know, it, I, I get energy literally from the city. And that energy I carry for me for a couple of days, I, it's like a good feeling. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, uh, anyway. So yesterday I was deciding to go to the museum. I didn't. I just went down to what, uh, 23rd Street Flatiron Building, Union Square Park. I walked all the way down to Chinatown on Canal Street and Mott. Went up and down. I bought some cheap headbuds. These uh, fake iPod things. They're like 15 bucks. Battery doesn't last, but they look cool. So, yeah, I did a long walk yesterday. Got off the train. I started walking downtown. I immediately noticed that the city was empty. There wasn't that many people. Even in my car, there was like one weird dude, which you always going to get in New York. Weird, weird old dude that was like lurking and shit, you know. Like he was like 70 and shit. But only in New York. And like two other people. It was pretty empty. So when I got off... Uh, on 7th Avenue there, right on 34th Street, Penn Station. Uh, notice it was pretty empty. So I, I, the day was nice. It was often on raining. Some periods of thunder showers. But, I, you know, I like the rain. The rain, did. I have no issues with the rain. We need it. So as I'm walking, and I know that sounds crazy. Oh, you like the rain, but the rain is beautiful. Uh, so I'm walking. And as, you know, there are a couple of crazies out there, man. It's funny, but I... I saw some sketchy looking dudes out there walking around, man. Like, it was groups of twos. You know, like, two guys walking around. I don't want to get too graphic or too de detailed, but just things. And I'm a city boy, man. I'm born and bred in Brooklyn, so I know I know the pulse, man. I know what's going on. And some of these guys, they were not up to any good. They were either lookouts. Or I don't know, just a vibe that I had. And it's, I'm going to say it, you know, I'm just going to say it, like the white people, like they were not making eye contact, they were looking on the ground. I generally make eye contact with most people, even if it's just a quick, you know, you know, human to human acknowledgement or something like that. Because that's the most dehumanizing thing too, is when a person deals with you and they don't even make eye contact or, it's weird, you know. Not, not that you're supposed to be like all focused with people, you know, everyone on the street, but you know, just in general, you know, you have to keep that in mind. So again, as I started... As I proceeded to walk downtown from Penn Station, everything looked pretty, you know, pretty cool and normal, except for it was pretty empty, considering for New York City, it's always crowded. Rain, snow, shine, whatever, it's late, n late night, early morning, whatever, it's always a lot of people, you know, especially on a nice day, which yesterday was. So, as I start going down, everything looks fine, but as I get into, like, uh, FIT, like, uh, Fashion Institute of Technology right there, around 28th street and down you know into like 21st street 19th street started noticing some graffiti on the wall it's okay it's graffiti and a lot of sketchy people so there was one particular uh, area i got to i believe it's spring street and and uh, broadway there was what they call a piece and what a piece is for those of you who are familiar with graffiti is artistic expression it's graffiti art but it's like over several panels or a whole train car or a whole big wall, like a big piece, like a statement. When you got people looking out for you and shaking cans and passing them to you, like really with the gusto getting a piece up. I, I can never write like that. But so 
I came upon this piece right on Spring Street that just kind of blew me away, and I'm kind of looking at the pictures. Now, I'm going to put it up on Instagram. Those of you who have never checked out my Instagram, it's uh, Alpha Male Buddhist. You know, at Instagram, you'll find me. I actually have, I believe, two accounts on there. One is Alpha Male Buddhist, and one is Alpha Male. One I don't do shit on. You know, I have a couple of pictures on. And another one I'm a little bit, more, little bit more active. I'm not very active on Instagram. So, came upon this piece, and I... I said, you know what, I'll get some pictures of it on my way back up because I intended on going down to, to Chinatown to see what was going on down there, Canal Street, Mott. So I'm walking down and I'm seeing, you know, just some interesting situations. Uh, yeah, man, like I said, the, the some people, they were not making eye contact. They were looking down, looking away and stuff like that. Some, not all. Uh, but a weird, weird vibe in the air, you know, which I, I, I rare to find in New York City. You know, you could be having the worst day or there could be the worst shit going on, but you're going to Midtown and everything is bubbling and, you know, activity, man. You know, good good energy. It's great. But yesterday was very weird. So, you know, I, yeah, it's it's hard to put into words, man. But a few things really struck me at my core looking at the situation, knowing that I came from there. I'm originally born in downtown Brooklyn, down by uh, the Barclay Center right now, by that big clock building. So, downtown. But I used to spend most of my time, a good amount of my time also in Manhattan. So, I know Manhattan so I was a bike messenger when I was a young man. From ages, I think, 20, 21 to, no, like 22 and 23, something like that. Uh, did it for like two years. I was what, what, what they call a pro. I was, uh, I, I worked with the same dispatcher as the van guy. So, in other words, I was like a van, but I was on a bike, a fixed bike, for those of you who know what fixes are. That little single, no derail, or just a single gear in the back cog. But I made money doing it, man, and I, I learned a lot. I saw a lot of things, you know, life moves really fast when you do that type of work. So, I know the city very well, what I'm talking about, uh, the feeling and everything that's going on. So, what I want to get into is this, man. It's like, people need to find a way to find a vehicle to get where they want to go. Whatever that vehicle might be. Everybody's going to have a different vehicle. A different way of expressing something unique about them that they do, you know, some either skill or whatever it is that they have, you know. God blesses everybody with different gifts. Your responsibility is to take make the most take the most advantage of those gifts that God bestows on you. You know what you know how to talk? Become a salesman, man. If you know math, you know learn code. Whatever. But take advantage of, of, of all that stuff. But what I wanna get at is this, I Remember living, I'll say the street, it was Wyckoff Street, W-Y-C-K-O-F-F, Wyckoff Street, and Nevins, right in downtown Brooklyn, and that's where I grew up. Prior to that, I lived on Smith Street in Wyckoff, 38 Wyckoff, uh, which was a nicer area, but we ended up leaving that around 1969. So, I remember, the, the, the one memory that I have is wanting to get out of there. I mean, I enjoyed living there and everything like that, but it was the hood, man. You know, like I would hear junkies on the roof and see a lot of things I wish I didn't see, you know? And have a lot of experiences that, that were not good, you know? So, my my driving force was to improve myself and get out of there. But the thing I didn't do, I didn't wait for somebody to help me or, or reach out a hand in like that. Although many promised, and a lot of people like, oh, yeah, we have this program or, you know, whatever, just talking that, that bullshit. And I said to myself, I'm going to have to really double down and, and do what I need to do to get out of here and get some discipline in my life and find focus in, in, in an area that I can make money. 
and then make a living and empower myself um many many um problems arise when you don't find that drive within yourself and it's predicated upon something external and i see a lot of that happening right now i'm gonna speak man i'm gonna speak my shit like when you see kids and it's black kids white kids spanish it's, it's everybody that's doing it but when they when they uh do that man let's say they they bust down the glass they get in the store they steal everything that's bad enough man that's bad but then they set it on fire you know so there's something behind it. There's an agenda because I, even yesterday, man, like some of these people, when you look at them, you it looks at, it looked like they were at work, the way they were conducting themselves, it looked like they were at work. Sketchy, man. So, we as a people, man, need to find a way to empower, empower ourselves in a way that's going to make a difference in our lifetime to us, and not just think of us now today. But think of the young ones. That little kid with the snot nose running around that's four years old that don't know where his daddy is and uh, is hungry. You know, what is, is he going to... Is he going to have hopium for breakfast or, you know, promises? You need to feed that young man, you know? So that's the approach that I'm taking it because this is holistic, man. And what's happening is this division and this coronavirus is, is put in place to divide us. That's why they want us six feet apart, mouth covered... You know, it's. It, I, I said it when it first came out. I was playing that uh, that Rasta music, <laughs> that Jamaican dancehall music. When the I called the cure to coronavirus, I don't know, six episodes back, with Tony, I forget his name. He said fat, and Shabba ranks. Um. Anyway, the last thing in life you want to be is predictable. And what I mean by that is you never want to be in a position where if somebody comes up and presses your buttons hypothetically in the right sequence they're gonna have an expected reaction from you of what they expected in other words they control you and that's what's happening to our community right now like instead of us binding down and trying to figure out the best way to push our kids up because of a food situation or living situation or studying or just role model helping with homework whatever and I, I haven't been a, my, my son's 31 years old God bless him and he's doing alright so you have to have something that I uh, have been recently been word I've been using a lot is situational awareness and it really it holds true for collapse situa- scenarios and just different things in life but situational awareness, you know, I kind of, I really felt it yesterday when I was walking down Broadway, especially right around 18th Street and, you know, Canal. This is weird, you know, situationally. So, you want to be in a position where, where you're able to develop that and f- ask yourself, let's say hypothetically you walk into a field and there's two paths and the path on the left, you know, it's just more more road going ahead and you can see it just going in the distance and in the path on the right it's like you know a big steak sandwich with you know a a 32 ounce soda with ice crushed ice and the whole you know just sitting there with the light proportion on it with the napkins you know the whole night you gotta ask yourself is this a trap right like this is too easy why why is that there for me like that why how, how am i gonna get something for nothing right so be aware of the control that outside has of you. 
your main objective, whatever that, uh, whatever else you're doing in life, your main objective is to improve your lot. Not necessarily to have a big car and travel the world or anything like that, but your objective is to do better so that your kin can move ahead, whether it's your own children, your family, or just yourself, to push up and to better your circumstance. Live in, basically live in a nicer place that's safer. And if anybody says anything else to you, then they're bullshitting. Lately, I've been hearing a lot of clamoring of uh, all sides. You know, people just making all these wild accusations and everything like that. But you've got to apply logic to a situation and say to yourself, you know, if my people are viewed in a certain way, if my people are viewed, they can say whatever they want. Like like I've heard it say, they walk off water from their mouth out, just saying words out without, without it coming from the heart. But... You know, if you look at my people, let's say you look at my people, Puerto Rican people, and like, oh, you know, you can't, you know, you know, they smile on your face, but when they see all this death and destruction and everything that's happening in our community, of course they're going to mumble to one another and talk about it, because you know what, I do too. This is bullshit. You know, if I'm not mistaken, last month or three weeks ago, 27 murders in Chicago by gunfire, black on black crime, but nobody wants to talk about that, all right? We gotta straighten out our own community. Don't, don't, don't let the music get to your head, kid. You know you're letting the music get to you. You're fucking sniffing your own farts, as it were. And what's happened? What the problem when you do that is you're out of touch with reality and what's really happening. Okay. The important thing in life is the result that you get, right? The result that you get. And I, I don't know who this is attributed to, but my nephew corrected me on this. He's in L.A. But I gave him the, the the saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting a different outcome. And that's what's happening with our people. You know, what we seem to be doing. And when I say we, I'm not out there hurting people or doing anything like that. I'm speaking from the heart, man. But I see it happening and I hear it, I feel it, and it is what it is, man. You know, and, and you see, okay, back to the, the root word is the result that you get. Our, our people are going down. Yes, some people are making it. They're getting good jobs, educations, and making it out of the hood, which which I love it. But the the community as a whole, I remember coming up in, like, the worst communities, like in the bad communities. And I look at them now, like in Baltimore and D.C. and New York City and L.A. and Chicago and St. Louis. And I can go on and on. But there's some pretty horrifying places man the lives that they have to drink this water full of lead and everything that they live but you know what no there's not a program that's going to help you there's no program that's going to help you what they want to do is they want to wipe out our community get that through your head first that's why you got to take care of your mom and your dad or your brother and who, whoever lays ahead next to you and, and be aware of situational aware situational awareness of what's going on i'm not kidding I, I could be speaking a lot more stuff but i'm just going to bite my tongue because i i kind of am aware of, i spend a lot of time on youtube and what is the, what's that other one? Uh, bit shoot and stuff like that. I watch a lot of different videos on all the, you know, this pedophilia bullshit and everything like that. And just all governmental stuff and what's happening and their intentions for us with vaccines and bloody, 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 right? But that's, that's not going to help me. I do want to be aware of what's happening, but I know that there's plans for us because when I saw those flames going up in the right and the looks that, you know, I would see people give one another, the looks that I would get sometimes, like people would look at me like I'm 
a threat and stuff like that, and I'm the furthest thing from that, unless if you fuck with me. But, um, craziness, man, right now. And no one, no one knows which way to look. That's why you got to get centered within yourself and find out the steps immediately that you need to take. And another thing, don't kill yourself, because I myself, I've been just working on all kind of shit, and it kind of has a tendency of wearing you down, too. And the last time I did that, I got sick. You know, you get your immune goes on and you get sick. So, as a people, man, we need to be aware that there's a reason for all of these different things happening. And it's not a coincidence that um, the words that we're being given really have no delivery other than just words. As, as I said, boca fuera. Boca being mouth, fuera, out, outside. Boca fuera. These are just empty, hollow words that they're saying to us. So, Black Lives Matter and all, and they're agreeing, rah rah, and everything like that. And an, and another thing, I'm just gonna say because I saw this shit and it really pissed me off, man. I saw a protest going on outside, and it was just all people going their own directions. And there was this one white kid. He's like 20 years old, young kid, and he's standing there doing whatever, either helping somebody or doing something. And this other kid, black kid, comes and just clocks him and knocks him out, like for no reason. Now this kid is here trying to help the community and kind of represent what's going on as far as him supporting your situation and supporting everything that's going on and make it safer because you know you know what I mean it's just it balances out the the, the whole crowd there so because you know we get mistreated all the time but don't don't ever do it. that that's some ridiculous shit man you know if you can't help somebody up don't touch them what is it what is this just hitting people and these knockout game things that people what what, what retarded and says that trust me man there was a guy that went through the NDE and near that death experience. Just hear this one out. Hear this one out. That's how come these elites don't want to die. I think Rockefeller had three or four heart changes. And they're talking about cybernetics and transhumanism and shit like that. Because they do not want to die because they don't want to face their maker. But there was a YouTube thing that I watched. I think I spoke about it a couple of episodes back where they had NDE. These people had NDEs and they interviewed him. And the one guy, he was a bully, and he would strong-arm people and beat people up, and just he was just, he was just a low-life person, man. And this guy caused a lot of harm to people and everything like that. And basically, he used to beat people up all the time is what he did. And he something happened, and he passed away. I think it was in a car accident or something like that. And he said it, when he passed away, it was an indefinite, there was no sense of time, but he said every literal strike that he had hit somebody with, he felt it on the receiving end. Like all the karma that he put out, he felt it back within himself. And that's like the way the laws. There's crazy stuff on MDs, man. There's people that they, they die, they flatline on that monitor, and they go above the room and they can tell you what time it is, who walked in the room, what color shirt they had on, and what transpired. Where did that come from, right? That that's that means that we're more than this meat wagon that, that you're looking at walking around. So what's my point? My point is this. We as a community got to get it together, you know, and I don't want to be one of the people, half my friends were black right now, but when I grew up, really, I was in Manhattan, and if I was around in my area, home area, I was playing ball, playing basketball, all the time, all, all the time, so you know all my friends were black growing up, more than half, and and I don't want to be one of them, oh, but I, I, you know, Puerto Rican, that they just rolls like that, we don't think of it, it's funny, but when we roll together and shit, we don't really think of it in them terms, unless if you're an idiot or you put it in that light. But it, there's no separation there, you know. But our people are being controlled, and we need to find a way to get out of that. Because you see everybody else's community come in here. And I'll say the the, the Koreans 
And the Indi- I'll tell you, the Indians, man, they fucking bankrolling everybody, man. Look at them. What they doing in, in my area, they'll buy a little bungalow house, knock it over, and put up a little palace and shit down the block from me. Like, there was one street, a block from me that has two of them on there. They bulldoze these two houses, and they put up these McMansions and shit. You know, and they're not bothering anybody. You know, they don't really bother me. But why can't all people do that? Why is it that we got to settle for the chicken bones and shit? It's forever in history. People talk about history and how was how come we ain't improving shit and making it better? Some of us do, but let's let's band together, man. Where we build and that's see that's why they put us against one another. So we have all this violence and we just go after one another in a way that prohibits our growth and expansion and development as individuals as a people. But they want to relegate us to the to the bread lines, man, and they want to get rid of us in these FEMA camps and shit with these plastic coffins that they got made up. Just YouTube FEMA coffins, and they're made out of this, like, uh, liner shit that's like 12-gauge plastic that's used to mix concrete and shit. You know, them little tubs? And those are they're shaped like graves, and you, I think you could stack three bodies on it. They're, like, kind of high up. But that's basically what they have in store for us. So why is it, as a people, we can't break that cycle of poverty of oppression of depression why can't we break that cycle and just get out of that that's what we called it when i was growing up is break the cycle and that's something that you need to think about because everything is not in the exact yes buddhism it's in the moment being mindful in the moment and all that stuff like that but that's separate discussion for a separate day that's spirituality that's positive and that's within oneself i'm talking geopolitical what's happening right now today we're being played we're being zooked out, you know, like like we're stupid and shit. They're taking our lunch and laughing at us, and we're like laughing back with them, you know? Because it's of the moment, you know, you get a little piece of cheese, and, you know, like they send you this little bonus, 1200 a week, and, you know, you become a little lamb, and you roll over and shit. Yeah, you you can accumulate and do the take the steps that you have to do, but do it with the mindset of you employing a strategy to get you to leverage that, that, patience and that passivity to move explosively in the direction you want to go to as far as improving and bettering yourself there's always a time to move and do things and there's a time to sit back and watch and it's a delicate balance between the two one to do which so yeah this there's a lot of i'm coming at you from a lot of different angles but there's a lot going on right now so there's not one lens that's going to can kind of shed light on the whole issue for you. You have to employ some Taoism, some Buddhism, some street knowledge, some Hermeticism and shit, some Catholicism. Not Catholicism, but some Christ thinking from the Bible. It's not easy. It's really not easy. I know we're in the end times of Revelation. If you go through the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, they decode all of the stuff that's going on. But it that's real tough stuff. I, it's in there. Like the meat and bones of it is in there in the book of Revelations and the book of Daniel, the New Testament. It's what it is. So, well, I was just in the fan for a second. It messed me up. So how about that? So, I could see the lines up here on my uh, audacity. I see the lines from the fan. It's cool. So, yeah, you get, we, we as a people have to be aware of what's being perpetrated upon us as a community, as a people. When I say we, I mean underprivileged people. Before, they used to be Spanish and black or Puerto Ricans and black back in the 60s. Dominicans, but Cubans. Now it's white folk that are poor, like dirt shit poor, you know, in all types, you know. So we have to be mindful of that and and, and find a way in us to move in that direction. Yeah, you're going to be faced with 
you're going to be faced with adversity and challenges and things like that 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 are uphill for you that things are very difficult for you but what happens is um you have to become accustomed to hard work things learn to fall in love with things that are hard to work on things that are hard to do tasks responsibilities deadlines that you have have to do learn to love that and 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 be at one with that because that's where growth comes from you know from pressure if you take you know a lump of coal and you subject it to enough time pressure and heat you get a diamond and that's that's alchemy right there you know so you have to find it within yourself as far as the resources that you have available to you to just be mindful that this is not frivolous just to be you know you're going to have a couple of days where you don't really care or you're happy go lucky or whatever but you got to bear down and if you find yourself where you never sit down and bear down as far as the direction that you're going in or what you're doing you got issues man because you you have nothing cooking you know if you're not paying bills if you're not if you're not in in the mix you know what i'm saying if you're not doing stuff and getting it done then you have to think to yourself why you know what steps is it that you can take to change that you know so another thing too man is like i have never understood like a person that wants to be like everybody else wear the same exact shoes wear the same exact sneakers have the same exact attitude listen to the same exact music it's all cookie cutter and that's what's happening right now you take if you took a white kid when i was young white kid that was 22 years old and a white kid today and a black kid and spanish kid or whatever the spanish kid would be listening to his own type of music uh, the white kid would have, like, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and shit. And the black dude would have, like, Run D, not Run DMC, but maybe, let's see, let's see, let's see, who's this, uh, whatever, whatever his name is. But you'll have, like, some, uh, oh, what's his name? Because I, I listened to him from the Bronx, Boogie Down Production, BDP. If you listen to Boogie Down Production, that's some old stuff. But that's what we had back then. Now everything is homogenized into one gelatinous mass where everything is the same they listen to the same music they have the same attitude the same comments the same smartphone existence that they lead you know and that they're happy with that because they know no better so i don't want to make this a lecture or sermon but it's something to be mindful of because we have to be aware of what's transpiring as to us individually and as a community and both the both the really important number one most important is to us individually because if we don't improve the self individually how are we going to help the community so let's get our ship right and let's move in the right direction yeah we have feet of clay maybe you went out riding and you were breaking shit and you feel guilty and shit like that don't do it again and then that karma's out of your life man you know you don't have to deal with it anymore turn turn your direction i i feel that god when he sees a, a bad person turn away from bad towards the good i mean i think that's like you get double extra credit for that i don't know i'm just guessing but it has to be something that's great because you, you're turning somebody's life around, you know, from darkness to light. That's that's pretty much what I have for you. I've gone over a little 30 minutes now, and I just wanted to encapsulate my ideas of what's going on right now. So let's think towards the future. Let's think for the young ones, the direction that they need to go in. It's not that wipe that snot off their nose and give them a fresh Kleenex and, and a little book to read so they can improve their minds and learn. You know, this way we can be competitive with all the other communities out there. And that's what it's about. We call that, um, in Spanish, that's, uh, la raza, you know, to push forward, you know, your, your culture and your people. And that's what we have to do, you know. So I'm going to leave it out right there. I have that beautiful pre- piece from Spring Street in Broadway, New York City, uh, from this week and from yesterday. And, uh, I'm kind of deciphering it. I'm reading it. It's, it's 
freaking so New York, man. So if you guys never have seen um, interesting graffiti like that or whatever, or if you're interested in it, check out my Instagram, which is Alpha Male Buddhist, and I'm going to put it up there. It's going to be the one picture with the 10 attached pictures. I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. There's a trick to that so that I don't, you know, you can't post too much because they shadow ban you and all that shit. That about wraps it up for this first segment. Um, right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play like a 25-minute, 26-minute clip of a KGB agent uh, by the name of Yuri Bezmenov. Uh, f- he defected here, I think, in the early or mid-80s. I forget the exact date. But this Yuri Bezmenov, if pay very close attention. I know he's got an accent, but pay very close attention of what he's saying because when he opens up, it seems a little boring, but if you're paying attention, what he's saying is that they wanted to get it to the point where society, to the point where if somebody misspoke or said something wrong, they would immediately get reported and how you had to be very careful of what you said and the politics that were coming into play because they wanted to implement speech control, which is happening to us right now. They call it hate speech, but it's really speech control. You should have the ability and the freedom of speech to say whatever you want. I think in Canada right now, Jordan Peterson, they were going to put him in jail for not using the appropriate pronoun, gender pronoun or whatever, which is fucking ridiculous that you're going to go to jail for speech. So this Yuri Bezmenov, he breaks it all down and he gets into like the different aspects of the first phase is the educational phase where you have to indoctrinate. It takes 20 years because that child reaches first grade by five years old and by the time his educational process of uh, whatever it is, 12 years, and uh, and that's the indoctrination. And ne- next is the demoralization. Once he, you've indoctrinated the educational system, this all comes from the Frankfurt School in Germany, the, the early 20s, and they migrated over to Princeton University. But once you get to that phase where you indoctrinate people, then you demoralize them, and that's what you're seeing right now. That Well, that's what you started seeing in the mid-'80s, the demoralization process where everything became hypersexualized and degrading, you know, where you it's obvious what it is with all being, you know, even with this, what do they call that, Snapchat and all that stuff, where you could put these little whiskers on and stuff like that. We're being, and people say, oh, you're all exaggerating. No, but we're being animalized, like little kids for costume. Christmas, you know, instead of being a, a, a Superman or something like that, they put like a little rabbit thing on or something like like an animal, which makes no sense. This Yuri Bezmenov breaks it down. Everything that's going on right now. So if you pay very close attention to what he's saying, now myself, I could see it from the implementation process with the education because I could kind of remember this coming into the school system in the seventies. I kind you know kind of recall what he's talking about. And this leads up to the society that we have today. And we're way past the demoralization. Now we're into where they want to take total control of us. Forced vaccinations where they dictate to us what we do to our own bodies. Um, You know, they close all the stores down, put all the middle class out of business, just shatter lives. But you can get an abortion. And you can, you know, you can buy uh, liquor and cigarettes and everything else. But, you know, and you can get an abortion, but you can't go to church. So you have to think, you know. This guy is really speaking some truth. So I'm going to put Yuri Bezmenov on. This is a clip off of YouTube. I did a, covered him in uh, last year, I think, in one of my podcasts. But this is a classic. I mean, everybody has uh, people that know this stuff. They've listened to this and dissected it. This it's very dense. This is very rich, and you want to listen to this guy. And I would recommend listening to it a couple of times because his accent is kind of thick. He's understandable, but there's there's a lot there. So. 
I'm going to play this clip, this 26-minute clip of Yuri Bezmenov, the KGB agent, Soviet KGB agent, who's breaking down what has taken place from the beginning, how we, this whole country has been subverted, and they want to turn it into a communist socialist country. And you know what happens then. We all get wiped out. Look at what, what the monster that Lenin was. And Stalin. Stalin was a maniac. I mean, he killed... God, the estimates of the Soviets from that point, 1917... I don't know, it could be 60 million people, and then put another 40 million from China. It's over 100 million people that communism has killed. And look at what's happening in China with this, uh, the tracking everything and social credit score. It's bullshit. Pay close attention, I want to thank you for listening, and uh, namaste. Uh, uh, representatives of business circles. Most of these people were divided roughly into groups. Those who would tow the Soviet foreign policy, they would be promoted to the positions of power through media and public opinion manipulation. Those who refused the Soviet influence in their own country would be character assassinated or executed physically come revolution. Same way as in the small town of Hue in South Vietnam, several thousands of Vietnamese were executed in one night when the city was captured by Viet Cong for only two days. And American CIA could never figure out how could possibly communists know each individual where he lives, where, where to get him, and would be arrested in one night, basically in, in some four hours before dawn, put on a van, taken out of the city limits, and shot. The answer is very simple. Long before communists occupied the city, there was extensive network of informers, local Vietnamese citizens, who knew absolutely everything about people who are instrumental in public opinion, including barbers and taxi drivers. Everyone who was sympathetic to the United States was executed. Same thing was done under the guidance of, of the Soviet embassy in Hanoi, and same thing I was doing in New Delhi. To my horror, I discovered that in the files where people were doomed to execution, there were names of, of pro-Soviet journalists with whom I was personally friendly. Pro-Soviet? Yes. They were idealistically minded leftists who uh, made several visits to USSR. And yet, the KGB decided that come revolution or drastic changes in political structure of India, they will have to go. Why is that? Because they, they know too much. Mm -hmm. Simply because, you see, the useful idiots, the, the leftists who are idealistically believing in the beauty of Soviet socialist or communist or whatever system, when they get disillusioned, they become the worst enemies. That's why my KGB instructors specifically made the point, never bother with leftists. Forget about these political prostitutes. Aim higher. This was my instruction. Try to get into, into uh, large circulation established conservative media. Reach, filthy rich movie makers, intellectuals, so-called academic circles. Cynical, egocentric people who can look into your eyes with angelic expression and tell you a lie. These are the most recruitable people, people who lack moral principles, who are either too greedy or too uh, suffer from self-importance. Uh, they feel that uh, they, they matter a lot. Uh, these are the people who KGB wanted very much to recruit. But or to eliminate the others, to execute the others, don't they serve some purpose? Wouldn't they be no, the ones they, they rely they on? They serve purpose only at the stage of destabilization of a nation. For example, your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, 
subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. But they may turn into the most bitter enemies of Marxist-Leninists when they come to power. And that's what happened in Nicaragua. You remember most of these uh, former Marxist-Leninists were either put to prison or one of them split and now he's working against Sandinistas. It happened in, in uh, uh, Grenada when Maurice Bishop was, he was already a Marxist. He was executed by, by a new Marxist who was more Marxist than this Marxist. Same happened in Afghanistan when uh, first there was Taraki, he was killed by Amin, then Amin was killed by Babrak Karman with the help of KGB. Same happened in, in Bangladesh when Mujibur Rahman, very pro-Soviet leftist, was assassinated by his own Marxist-Leninist military comrades. It's the same pattern everywhere. The moment they serve their purpose, all the useful idiots are used, either be executed entirely, all the idealistically-minded Marxists, or uh, uh, exiled or put in prisons, like in Cuba. Many, many former Marxists are in Cuba, I mean in prison. So most of the Indians who were cooperating with the Soviets, especially without uh, the Department of, of uh, Information of the USSR embassy, were listed for execution. Uh, and when I discovered that fact, of course I was sick. I was mentally and physically sick. I thought that I, I'm going to explode one day during the briefing at the ambassador's office, I would stand up and say something that we are basically a bunch of murderers. That's what we are. We, it has nothing to do with friendship and understanding between the nation and blah, blah, blah. We are murderers. We behave as a bunch of thugs in, in a country which, which is hospitable to us, a country which, which with ancient traditions. But I, I, I did not defect. I tried to get the message across to my horror. Nobody wanted even to listen least of all to believe what I had to say. And I tried all kinds of tricks. I would, I would, I would uh, leak information through letters uh, or lost documents or something like that. And still I got no message. Uh, the message was not published even in the conservative mass media of, of India. The immediate impulse to defect was Bangladesh crisis, which was described by American correspondents as Islamic grassroots revolution, which is absolute baloney. Uh, there was nothing to do with Islam, and there was no grassroots revolution. Actually, there are no grassroots revolutions, period. Any revolution is a byproduct of a highly organized group uh, of conscientious and professional um, uh, organizers, but has nothing to do with grassroots. In Bangladesh, it was nothing with grassroots. Most of the uh, Awami League party members, Awami League means People's Party, uh, were trained in Moscow in the high party school, most of the Mukti Fauj leaders, Mukti Fauj in Bengali means people's army, same as Swapo and, and all kind of liberation armies all over the world, the same bunch of useful idiots. They were trained at Lumumba University and various centers of the KGB in Simferopol, in, in Crimea, and in Tashkent. So when I saw that India, Indian territory is being used as a, as a jumping board to destroy East Pakistan, I saw myself, thousands of, of so-called students, traveling through India to East Pakistan, through the territory of India, and Indian government pretended not to see what was going on. They knew perfectly well, the Indian police knew it, the intelligence department of Indian government knew it, 
the KGB, of course, knew it, and the CIA knew it. That, that was most infuriating, because when I defected and I explained to the CIA debriefers they should watch out because East Pakistan is going to erupt any moment, they said I, 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 was, I was reading too, too many James Bond novels. Anyway, so East Pakistan was doomed. Uh, one of my colleagues in, in the Soviet consulate in Calcutta, when he was dead drunk, he ventured into the basement to, to relieve himself, and he found the big boxes which said printed matter to Dhaka University. Dhaka is the capital of East Pakistan. And since he was drunk and curious, he opened one of the boxes and he discovered not printed matter. He discovered Kalashnikov guns and ammunition in there. Anyway, it's a long story. When I saw the, the preparations for the, for the uh, invasion into East Pakistan, obviously I wanted to defect immediately. The only thing I couldn't, I couldn't at that time uh, make up my mind when and where and how one of the reasons, of course, you see, I was in love with India. I mentioned that before. I spoke the languages. I socialized with people. And I understood that I had to, to act fast unless I want this beautiful country to be permanently and irreparably damaged by our presence. One of the reasons not to defect was, as you can see, I was living in relative affluence. Who the hell in, in, in the normal mind would defect and do what? To be abused by your media, to be called McCarthyist and fascist and paranoid, or to drive a taxi in New York City? What for? What the hell for should I defect? To be abused by, by Americans, to be insulted in exchange for, for my effort to bring the truthful information about impending danger of subversion. As you can see, I was living in quite a comfortable conditions next to swimming pool where Indians were not allowed, by the way. I was highly paid expert in propaganda. I had my family. I was respected by my nation. My career was cloudless. The third reason, how to defect with the family. To defect with the baby and the wife would be virtual suicide because according to law, that hypocritical law which I quoted before, the Indian police will have to hand me over back to the KGB and that will be the end of my defection and probably my life. Again, I cannot smuggle my wife because she was not quite sure what, what I was doing. She was not that idealistically involved and she was definitely not in, in, in the total picture of what I was doing for the KGB. She would be shocked if I, if I uh, you know, put her in my van and, and drive her to the American embassy or elsewhere. That would be a greatest danger. So. Again, I had to defect in such a way that my defection would look as simple disappearance. And there were many cases like that when the Soviet agents simply disappeared, either killed in action or, thanks to their curiosity and, and their close contacts with radicals, some of them were killed by the Marxists, by the way. It happened in many African countries when the Soviet KGB were killed by Africans themselves. Not because they hated Marxism-Leninism, but because they were simply trigger-happy bunch of unruly characters. If you give them machine gun, they will shoot. And some of the Soviets obviously were not careful enough to protect themselves. And they got into embarrassing situations when they were shot at the crossfire between factions of, of so-called liberation movements. Anyway, so I, I decided, as I said, to study the um, counterculture. I decided this probably would be the best way to disappear. I socialized with characters like this on the left. You see, he's a barefoot American hippie. Uh, it took me quite a long time to study 
exactly what they were doing and how to mix with them. But eventually I did it. Most of Indian newspapers carried my picture and promise of 2,000 rupees for information about my whereabouts. But they were looking for the wrong person because they obviously tried to stop a young Soviet diplomat in white shirt and tie. And th this is how I looked at the time of defection. Nobody could possibly think that the Soviet diplomat would be as crazy as to join a bunch of hippies. That's you. Tra yes, travel yeah. India and smoke hush. So I made it literally a, a, almost like a Hollywood style um, detective story. Uh, from under the nose of the KGB in Bombay airport, I landed a plane and I flew to, to Greece where I was debriefed by the CIA. That's basically most that's all for my okay, we can slides. The, we can turn off the projector, and that's very interesting. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of it intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, active мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see. Most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you 
expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled, because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck with, with demoralization and unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, 
the influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. United States is in a state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the... Uh, the um, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, Nothing ever can help United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to prison inmates. All these freedoms will vanish, evaporate in, in five seconds, including your precious lives. Um, the second thing, I, the moment at least part of United States population is convinced that the danger is real, they have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions and all this beautiful, noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government
to stop aiding communism. Because there is no other problem more burning and, and urgent than to stop the Soviet military-industrial complex from destroying what is, whatever is left of the free world. And it is very easy to do. No credits, no technology, no money, no political or diplomatic recognition, and of course no such idiocy as grain deals to USSR. The Soviet people, 270 millions of, of Soviets, will be eternally thankful to you if you stop aiding a bunch of murderers who sit now in Kremlin and whom President Reagan respectfully calls government. They do not govern anything, least of all such complexity as the Soviet economy. So basic, two, two very simple, maybe two simplistic answers or solutions, but never, nevertheless they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at the time of peace. You are in a state of war. And you have precious little time to save yourself. Um, you don't have much time, especially if you are talking about young generation. There's not much time left for convulsions uh, uh, to the beautiful uh, disco music. Very soon it will go, just, just overnight. If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop, if they cannot curb their unsettled desire for profit, and if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon. And it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. But I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocies as microfilm, James Bond-type espionage. This is garbage. Uh, you don't need any espionage anymore. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system. Um, you may ask me, what is it in for me? survival obviously because unlike I as I said I am now in your boat if, if we sing together we'll sing beautifully together there is no other place on this planet to defect to Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist.
and check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.